0: Hey everyone, welcome to Step Up Today. Um, I got my boy Ryan with me. Uh, how you doing today, Ryan?
1: I'm doing great and I hope everybody listening out there is doing great as well as yourself.
0: Uh, yeah, great, beautiful day today. I'm definitely ready to talk some sports. We had a lot go on yesterday between MLB, NFL trades, and of course, the one thing LeBron always brings us is the drama and I cannot wait to talk about it uh definitely want to start off with the monday night recap monday we saw the detroit lions um definitely got gut punched in a 23 22 loss to the green bay packers at lambeau field um the lions were leading 22 to 13 when they sacked aaron Rodgers on a third and 10 play early in the fourth quarter um trey flowers the lions defensive end was called for hands to face penalty um Which was clearly not a penalty in my eyes and a lot of NFL fans' eyes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers would then go down, throwing a 35-yard touchdown. Beautiful pass by Aaron Rodgers, by the way. Um, Alan Lazard on the reception. And Alan Lazard was actually short before he got in the end zone, which, again, when reviewed, was not called back. So that's two missed calls already by the refs. Then with a minute 37 left in the game, we have Trey Flowers, the same call on the same type of play that, that led to the Mason Crosby game winning field goal. Uh, we also have Redman, uh, Redman's interference on Marvin Jones with the hand swipe across his chest that definitely could have pushed him down to the ground a little bit faster before he caught that ball. I'm not going to blame that on the refs, though. It was a miscall, call, but Matt Patricia did not review it when he did have a challenge and could have challenged the play. Um, but then you also have the Lions, who settled for five field goals in that game without touchdowns. So is this, can you really blame this on the refs since the Lions had five field goals and couldn't put any touchdowns, or was this some, is this something the NFL continuously needs to fix is the refs in, in in these big primetime games? What What are your thoughts, Ryan?
1: I'm looking at it from both perspectives, actually, because the way I see it is the Lions, as you said, they're up twenty two to thirteen in the fourth mm. quarter. That is a fantastic margin, and we've seen games earlier in the year already um, where teams are just winning with field goals, um, this, this, and that. Um, but the, the one thing that surprised me a lot with the Lions offense is you open the game on a flea flicker and you go all the way down into the red zone on play one and you come away with a field goal. However, yeah. the penalties really take away from how good the Lions actually played in this game at Lambeau Field. Um, the two missed calls, and I'm going to say two missed calls, even though the NFL only came out and identified the second hands-to-the-face penalty as a missed call. Um, both of those... We're just far from actual hands to the face. If you look at, at the actual game footage, there is uh, the hand is nowhere near the face, but is gripping the left hand shoulder or the collar of the offensive lineman. And I, I really don't think that both of those should have been called. I think that if Matt Patricia did throw the challenge flag on that passenger uh, miss call on the pass interference. It could have been turned over. I think it would have been a weak call, but that one definitely could have been turned over. Um, mm-hmm. Cause if you look, he kind of put his arm out for half a second and then adjusted and then swatted the football away. Um, yep. So he was still, but in a sense, he was able to actually propel himself to make that play to swat it away. Marvin Jones probably could have came down with that, but we don't know. Matt Patricia didn't review or, you know, challenge it. Um, but the lions need to take this game with a grain of salt and just keep moving forward. Um, I saw one of their Twitter pages basically say in about 30 billion years, this game's going to be a race from history. When the sun goes out, actually it had my sides hurting if I'm going to be honest with you, but <laughs> <laughs> the, it, it's really coming from both perspectives here. It was a phenomenally played game by the lions. A couple missed calls wound up actually throwing them in the dirt and getting them the loss. But, Aside from all of that, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers still. Some of the throws that he was making Monday night were just absolutely mind-boggling. If there is a
0: two-millimeter basket for him to throw the tip of the football in, he's hitting it. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he definitely did. Um, I do agree with you. Um, to me, this was the guy... To me, even with the calls, I was upset at the time because, again, I lost another lock of the week, 0-2, got to love it. Um, But at the same time, it, to me, you got – to me, the Lions had this game won. You can't go down and you can't hit five field goals to win a football game. You have got – especially against – especially when you're against a player, the bad man in the North. Aaron Rodgers is going to always march down the field. He's always going to find a way to put his team back in the game. That's exactly what he did that beautiful throw to Alan uh, Alan Lazard. Um, But I think this is a great sign of seeing Aaron Rodgers is back. Aaron Rodgers is back to being that bad man this season. Um, He played lights out, I think, except for that interception, which wasn't his fault anyways. And then you have another um, Aaron Jones dropping a wide open touchdown pass, beautifully thrown ball by Rodgers. Um, So I think Aaron Rodgers is back. I think I think this Packers team is going to be rolling. Um, The Lions, though, they're not going to go away quietly. I think the Lions are the second-best team in that NFC North. Um, Do do you agree with that? Do you think they can outlast the Bears and since they played this Sunday against the Vikings? Do you see them winning that game with the Vikings coming off that red-hot game they had against the Eagles?
1: From everything that I've seen, yes, I do believe the Lions are actually the second-best team in the NFC North. When we're talking about the Chicago Bears, that's all defense. Mitch mm-hmm. Trubisky definitely took a backseat, and he's hurt. Um, and he was their best quarterback. Without Mitch Trubisky, there's really just no contention for the Bears to actually make a playoff push this year. Um, I think the Bears just will miss the playoffs this year after winning the division last year. Uh, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins did show some poise, but there was against an exposable secondary um Dalvin Cook was shut down um even though they did break a couple big runs it was actually Madison who wound up breaking those runs um but the Vikings need help on defense because when it comes to the outside receiver I believe they are fifth worst in the NFL in covering that number one receiver um and it's kind of mind-boggling especially a team that has Xavier Rhodes on it um but that's where the Vikings are going to need to step up if they necessarily want to make a push in this NFC North, whereas the two most complete teams definitely being Green Bay and Detroit on both sides of the football.
0: Yeah, and uh, and yes, I, I, de- I definitely agree with you. Um, I also want to add, I think Aaron Rodgers proved Monday night that he can still be in the GOAT conversation with Tom Brady. Tom Brady does have six rings, but I'm talking about – all-around talent. We saw Aaron Rodgers do one thing Tom Brady's done, and that's play without his number-one receiver. I mean, Jimmy Graham, uh, Montez uh, Valdez-Scantling, MBS, um Alan Lazard, who was actually on the practice squad, when all of them came up, I mean, he's making these guys look like great receivers. And this is something that great quarterbacks do that we've only seen from a handful a handful of guys that are in the NFL now. Do, There's uh, a- Go ahead.
1: There was a a really big point that Aaron Rodgers brought up in the press conference after the game, and it has to do with Alan Lazard. And it was after a um, it was either a drop or it was the interception or something along those lines. Alan Lazard went up to Aaron Rodgers being a rookie and said to him, give me this play. And Aaron Rodgers gave it to him, got them the first down to continue the drive. It it was Aaron Rodgers had so much respect for the kid in that aspect to actually come to him being the type of person that Aaron Rodgers is and the leader that he is for this green Bay Packers. And he entrusted his receiving core. And that is also something that Tom Brady has done multiple times, especially with his, you know, middle of the pack receivers uh, that he's had in the past.
0: Yeah. And I, and I actually love this from Aaron Rodgers. Um, I love the heart that we saw in him yesterday with this very young receiving core. And I think this is only going to bring pressure off Devontae Adams when he comes back. Because when Devontae Adams comes back, I feel Aaron Rodgers now has more trust in these receivers like MVS and Lazard and Jimmy Graham. So now I think it's going to open their playbook even more because when he starts targeting these receivers, I think that's going to leave Adams open a little bit more. So we have the Packers next week against the Raiders, and then we have the Lions next week against the Vikings. Um, if I'm the Lions, I'm going to take week in, week out, because you play the Packers week 17 of the NFL. And for all we know, that could be to win the division. So that is another thing to look out for. If the Lions start taking this, if the Lions start playing these games week by week, like I think Matt Patricia, Matt, Patricia will have them play, uh, we can very well see um, w- winner takes all in that NFC North.
1: Absolutely. And I definitely see it happening down the stretch, unless if something drastic were to happen, pretty much barring an injury happening to either one of these teams. Um, The major one for Green Bay would be Aaron Rodgers going down, but I pray he stays healthy. He's seriously one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. I'm uh, mm-hmm. glad he's still in the league. Um, I think the situation would probably uh, be somewhere along the lines of a defensive injury for the uh, Detroit lions. Cause I don't think it would matter who they would actually have under center. The team is kind of built around a system right now to be able to run the football and throw the football.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, so, getting into our Thursday night matchup, we have the Denver Broncos hosting the Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas Shitty. <laughs> well, they, they, they definitely have been. So, Kansas City coming off two straight home loss uh, to the Colts and the Texans. The AFC South is owning them right now. Um, Is this more of Andy Reid not running the ball enough or just terrible defense that the Chiefs have?
1: I'm looking at it from a terrible defensive perspective of the Chiefs. Last year, they were actually ranked either 30th or 31st in the NFL in total defense. They're on their way to doing so again this year. Um, It was something that I was really expecting Andy Reid being the type of coach that he is, the legendary walrus, to actually make moves and propel the defense. But... The only thing that I saw the Chiefs do was get rid of players and then bring in LaShawn McCoy. Tyran Matthew, even on defense, is just nowhere near enough to replace everyone that they actually lost, being the D Ford, the Justin Houston, the Eric mm-hmm. Berry. Like, that's, those are huge names on all three stages of the defensive side that you just cannot make up for. The- um, I'm going to take the chiefs in this game. Um, My gut told me they were going to be able to squeeze it out in arrowhead on Sunday. However, they weren't able to get the job done, but I really do not see this team losing three straight, but still watch out for this Denver Broncos team because these past
0: two games, they have surprised a lot of people. Yeah. And they definitely have, especially with the shutout win last week against the Titans. Um, I think Vic Fangio, I think he prepares his defense for Patrick Mahomes. I think Andy Reid does make the same mistake three times. Um, I don't understand why he does. I understand LaShawn McCoy is a fumbling machine, but he's also also really good at what he does, electrifying running back who can take pressure off an injured Patrick Mahomes with his ankle. Um, If you run it between the tackles, you can get more first downs and control the game pace which is why this team to me isn't winning games along with the defense. So to me, I'm going to take the Broncos on this one. I'm going to take them an the upset 13 to 10. I think it's a very low scoring game. Um again, I think it's going to be really close, but I just don't see Andy Reid fixing the mistake that he needs to fix. And I and because of that and the injury to Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to take the Broncos on this one upsetting the Kansas shitty chiefs so
1: i i I think i'm actually going to go with the chiefs in this one whereas i would not be surprised if the broncos came out with a 20 to 13 or 17 to 13 victory but i'm picking the chiefs 27 to 17 over the denver broncos um really the main factor is going to be if von miller can get to patrick mahomes because if he can then Denver's going to control this football game like they have the past two weeks against the Chargers and the Titans.
0: Yeah. And I, exactly. And again, another this is another big divisional matchup. So, it, Thursday night prime time, definitely check out that Broncos um that Broncos and Kansas City Chiefs game tomorrow night. Uh moving into baseball, last night we saw the Nationals
1: Ooh, take a back seat. Room. I don't uh, mean to cut you off. Let's hit these trades.
0: Oh, that's right. Damn it. I forgot. We, I thought we were going to do that at the end. Okay. Um, let me see. Do you want to start off with the Browns, or should we start off the biggest one with Jalen Ramsey?
1: Let's go blockbuster off the rip. Okay. Um,
0: I'm going to start in, like, five seconds, so it's easier for you. Okay. Yesterday, we had the Rams making some blockbuster trades. Um, Jaguars trade Jalen Ramsey to the Rams for three draft picks. Uh, Jacksonville receives uh, 2020 first-round pick, 2021 first-round pick, and 2021 fourth-round pick. Did the Rams give up too much for Jalen Ramsey?
1: The Rams definitely overpaid for Jalen Ramsey, especially with the fact of he's going to need to get paid next year. He even came out and told the Jacksonville Jaguars, "Is if you guys want me, you're either getting me on a deal this year or you're going to be really paying for me next year. And they didn't like that. And they traded him. So guess what? Now the Rams have to somehow figure out if they're going to be able to actually pay for Jalen Ramsey next year. The Rams, if they can get a contract done with Jalen Ramsey, are going to have over $100 million worth of salary cap. And that's literally between Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Jared Goff, and Todd Gurley, which is absolutely ridiculous. You cannot have four players and be spending 100 mil out of your 152-some-odd mil uh, salary cap. It's a definite overpay for him, uh, especially, too, with the fact that he may walk this offseason. He might have just wanted to get into a better situation so that way he could propel his name a little bit, make a little bit more money in the offseason. But he has a broad band of varieties that he can actually choose from at this
0: point now and exactly to me I think it's more of a bad pick um I don't think defense is your problem right now and Jalen Ramsey is not going to lead this team to the playoffs um your problem was on Sunday that we saw is Jared Goff couldn't throw the ball five feet he doesn't have protection you don't have a run game why are you going to trade for a guy that you're going to have to pay, give a lot of money to just to keep when you could split that money up and create a great offensive line? Um, obviously Sean McVay believes Jared Goff is his guy believes Todd Gurley is his guy. And you have one of the best receiving cores. Why not get protection for your quarterback to start winning games? This defense has not won a game. They gave up, they gave up 48 points last year to the Kansas city, to the Kansas city chiefs. Um, they did slow down Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, but your offense didn't even score a touchdown. So to me, why are you trading for defensive players when that's not your biggest issue? Aaron Darnold finally stepped up last week. He is going to start getting to the quarterback. He looks more and more comfortable now in this defense with Wade Phillip running it. So now, to me, it's just a big question mark with why do you think you're going to get to the playoffs with a defensive team? We saw how long the Bears got last year, and Jared Goff is a way better quarterback to me than Mitchell Trubisky. Protect the guy, let him make the throws. He's a system quarterback. So if Sean McVay, with the great play calling you do, why not help the guy out? I just, To me, I just don't understand the trade. <laughs>
1: I don't think I really could have said that better myself. Um, I agree with just about all of that. Um, I really think that they do need help on offense, and it has to do with their offensive line. And it's something that needs to be assessed. So I really believe that them acquiring Jalen Ramsey was more so of a short-term fix than a long-term fix, even though it does not fix anything. Because we learned in the Super Bowl, that the Rams, their defense, seriously, is just not all that. And they had Aaron Donald and Dama Kansu on their line. They had Marcus Peters and to Tlaib healthy. Um, they even acquired Eric Weddle in the offseason this year uh, to actually be on the safety front. And we just have not seen them step up.
0: And we had we had a team last year with the defensive power everyone thinks the Rams are. With Marcus Peters and to Tlaib, you couldn't stop Julian Edelman. He was Super Bowl MVP, and this was the guy they could not stop. Um, I do think they had more focus to Gronkowski, but still, I mean, you have – I love Julian Ellman, and to me, he's definitely more than a top-ten receiver, but you have a little white guy on this great defense that you so happen to have that you cannot stop who ends up winning Super Bowl MVP. So, to me – um, I definitely think this defense is just starting to become overrated at this point. It's not your problem. I don't know why you're trying to fix it. Um, maybe they're just scared of the Eagles because the Eagles were getting close to Jalen Ramsey. I, I don't – I just – I have no clue. <laughs> I, I um,
1: really – like, I believe that to be true because Howie Roseman did come out. Philadelphia's. And said he basically gave everything or offered everything but the kitchen sink for Jalen Ramsey. However, I'm honestly kind of glad that we did not get Jalen Ramsey only for the fact of, yes, we need the help. But the Rams and they gave up too much. The Jaguars were asking for too much. Uh, But what I think the Rams did that was smart in this situation was dealing um, Marcus Peters to Baltimore, which... I actually think Peters excels from that moment, especially being on a Super Bowl roster last year, and he's going to be playing across from Jimmy Smith. So he's not going to be the number one cornerback anymore, and I think that takes a lot of pressure off of him.
0: Yeah, and I definitely, I definitely agree with you. Um, Before we move into the market speeder trade, um, is this a turning point for the Jacksonville Jaguars receiving this 2020 first round pick, two first round picks next year? Uh, first, an extra fourth, and a fourth-round pick the following year. Is it time to sh- to slow the train down, repump the brakes, add another great defensive player to replace Jalen Ramsey, get your quarterback for this offense? Could this potentially bring this team back to the AFC championship game that they were in two years ago?
1: I think it can. They just need to not let all of their uh, top five picks go to the Los Angeles Rams because in 2015, 16, and 17 – their number three pick, their number three pick, and their number five pick, being Blake Bortles, Dante Fowler Jr., and Jalen Ramsey, now are
0: on the roster of the Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. And and I, I definitely agree with that. Um, if I'm Leonard Fournette, I think I signed my max there in a couple years. I stick it out with the with the Jaguars because I think things are actually going to start turning around for them. Um, and, and I and I'm, I couldn't be more excited for this this franchise. Um, their stadiums are actually being sold out still for their games. They have a they have a really good fan base, kind of like the Buffalo Bills. So I'm excited for them. Hopefully the Jaguars get some great picks next year. Uh, figure out if Minshew is going to be your quarterback following, or if you're going to go back to Foles, or even draft one. But I. I couldn't be more excited for what is to come for this Jacksonville Jaguars team.
1: And I think that's the thing that really helps Minshew propel too is with having Nick Foles on that team because he is a proven leader. Mm -hmm. Um, He is not shy of assisting and providing his own input to help excel the football team. Uh, We've seen it. He did with the Philadelphia Eagles multiple occasions with his two stints with the team. Leonard Fournette really reminds me of that workhorse type, like when Maurice Jones Drew was actually in Jacksonville. Um, so if you're the Jaguars acquiring these two first-round picks and that fourth-round pick in the next three years, I think you're sitting pretty.
0: Yeah, and and, and I agree, and I definitely I I want to add on to the Nick Foles. Nick Foles is a bona fide winner. He won that Super Bowl. He's the one that wanted the Philly Philly special to beat my Patriots. Um, he pretty much saw Tom Brady drop the ball on his catch. He told he told Doug Peterson, "Hey, hold my beer. Let me score this touchdown <laughs> real quick going into half." I actually love Nick Foles. He is a great film guy too. He understands defenses, and he's he's a really, really smart quarterback that I feel people under undervalue him for. But I couldn't be more happy for Minshew if they get another quarterback, or even to see if even to see if the Jacksonville Jaguars maybe with one of these picks that get a, one of the great offensive linemen coming into this draft and help Nick Foles because Nick Foles can definitely lead this team to a to a championship or Super Bowl even. He's, he's that good of a quarterback. He takes it week in, week out. He doesn't look ahead. I, I, I love that guy.
1: I, I love Nick Foles, too. There's a reason why him and Doug Peterson are permanently glorified outside of Lincoln Financial Field with the plaque
0: stating, you want Philly Philly? Yeah, and it definitely. And it's even when I was in Philadelphia. Um, I was in Philadelphia a couple months ago. And I went to get my first Philly cheesesteak. The one I got was the Philly Philly special. And I wish I could say I hated it, but it was the best thing I ever had. Um, (laughs) Definitely one of the best Super Bowls we've seen in a while. But again, uh, just to recap, the Rams to me are still not a playoff team with this blockbuster trade for Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey definitely won the trade, though, by himself. He didn't miss a paycheck. He got out of Jacksonville and he gets his payday next year. I mean, that's a win-win situation for you. Definitely think his back problems go away, Um, his stress with his newborn, everything he used to not play on the field. Definitely looking forward to seeing him on the field this Sunday against the Falcons right here in Atlanta. Um, Moving into more trades, the Rams definitely were not done yesterday. uh, Trading Marcus Peters to the Baltimore Ravens for linebacker Kenny Young. Uh, What can you tell me about this trade, Ryan? Did either team even win this trade, or was this even necessary?
1: I think it was necessary to move on for Marcus Peters because it just deemed that his work ethic in Los Angeles has just gone down the drain. Um, They needed a temporary replacement for Clay Matthews, and they went out and they got their linebacker in Kenny Young. Um, But the point that I brought up earlier, I think this trade is going to be – eye-opening for Marcus Peters. Um, this is a second time he's been traded, so I'm questioning if it's actually just himself, not his skill set. Because even with the Chiefs, we saw he's got it. Um, but I think this time around with him actually being replaced by Jalen Ramsey in this situation and that was the case, it's going to ha- more than likely, help propel him, especially being on that opposite side of the field with Jimmy Smith, and he's in a better
0: defensive situation now. I feel like. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree. Uh, watching the Rams games this year, I think each quarterback comes out, takes a shot right at Marcus Peters because Sean Payton exposed him last year. So I definitely think, and again, you saw it again with the Gronkowski catch in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady exposed him on that last play to seal the Super Bowl drive. So I definitely don't think Marcus Peters anymore is a Q is a cornerback one. Uh, I definitely think it's great for him that he's a cornerback, two. I think he's more trusted in that situation. Um, as long as Jimmy Smith, he has to stick with the number one receiver on the team. But uh, if, if there is a if there is a matchup there, I continually expect to see Marcus Peters get exposed. Um, I think it's great that the Rams kind of flushed him out, though. The secondary is, is, was getting pretty old. You have Eric Weddle, um, Eric Weddle, a key to They're not really that young anymore. So the only, I think, upside is when you brought Jalen Ramsey in for his replacement, you have some young talent, but it's going to cost you a lot of money there in L.A. Um, so Marcus Peters playing in Baltimore this week. I think it's going to be great to see him. And Earl Thomas kind of lead Jimmy Smith, who has been a phenomenal cornerback this year. So Jimmy Smith, not only he gets more help to where he can become a top cornerback, because to me right now, the top two is Jalen Ramsey from what we saw last year, because we haven't really seen him this year. And Stephon Gilmore, I think, has stepped his game up a lot. And uh, last but not least, Marshawn Lattimore, to me, is probably defensive player of the year for the secondary um, coming out of the Rams, he has stepped up, I think, the most with Drew Brees going down, shutting down Mike Evans and Amari Cooper and receivers kind of up to that latitude. So um definitely excited for Marcus Peters. But again, I, I just again, I just don't think going back to Jalen Ramsey that this team goes to the playoffs getting rid of Marcus Peters. Or if anything, why, do you think they should have kept Marcus Peters with getting Jalen Ramsey and making him a cornerback too with a key to lead out?
1: I think that realistically would have been the smartest thing for them to do. Um, but I think the fourth-round pick that came with Kenny Young was what actually helped them get Jalen Ramsey.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Agree, agree. <laughs> um, Moving in, so the Rams, again, we're not done yet. Um, Austin Corbett, uh, was traded to the Rams for a fifth round pick. Um, again, the offensive line, the issues they're having, do you think that this is going to turn things around for the offensive line? Because to me, Austin Corbett looks more like a glorified backup.
1: I, I really need to see it first, because like you said, he does deem himself as a glorified backup, um, Realistically, the Rams should have used those two first-round picks in the next two years to get offensive linemen to help revamp it because that offensive line is getting rather aged. Um, and we definitely see it this year, especially the pressure being on Goff. girlies he's instead of you know being the north-south runner he is, he's getting pushed east-west, and he's really not getting the you know the big gains that we're used to seeing. Um, it, it it's just a, uh, it's it's just another. You know, attempted big move in disguise by the Rams that is just very lackluster. And it, again, it's something that's just not going to help them. If it does help them, then I'll eat my words. But they're still in serious, just, just serious doubt. It's a real bad Super Bowl hangover for them. And I just don't foresee them making the playoffs. If two teams make it to the playoffs out of the NFC West, it is the 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks.
0: Yep, and I, I definitely definitely see it um see that happening, especially with the forty ers to me, who have been really great. Um to me, it's more of what the hell are the Browns doing? You have a great to me, you have a quarterback who showed his potential last week against the Seahawks, and you're getting rid of his protection. I, I, I don't really understand what Freddie Kitchens did um with this with this trade, even though I know it's not him, it goes to the GM as well. But to me, do you think – do you have a bigger question mark now for the Cleveland Browns on what they're doing?
1: Yeah, I really do. Uh, I almost question if they're just gearing up to kind of reset, um, especially with the rumors of Odell Beckham wanting out. Um, and it the pretty much what I've been hearing is the locker room is just a serious question of – baker mayfield and it's a matter of is he actually focused on football or is he focused on progressive commercials yep. and then it it's a, you know a common trend that we've actually seen all year long where i've seen more of baker mayfield in progressive commercials than i've actually seen him perform on the football field and i know when you have talent like odell beckham jr you, you guarantee just cannot stand it because he even made Eli Manning look good. And Eli Manning is, I, screw I up I, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> want to use the word, I'm going to use it lightly, but decrepit at this point.
0: And, and I definitely see it. Um, to me, I think Friday Kitchens is not the guy in Cleveland. I think you, I, I don't even think they should have hired someone in house. Um, to me, there's, to me this year for NFL teams, I think is even better last year. I think more jobs, but better jobs. I think Jason Garrett's gone. Freddie Kitchens and Dan Quinn are all gone. So, to see who they hire, and even the Redskins, to see who they hire coming this offseason with the line of coaches that, ha- that don't have jobs anymore, that can, like, we can potentially see Mike McCarthy or Chuck Pagano um, leaving the Bears or, you know, things like that. I th- I'm really interested to see these actual Super Bowl contender teams just looking at talent to see who they hire for their coaching jobs next year as well.
1: And I think that's probably going to be the biggest story of this upcoming offseason is going to be these
0: multiple head coaching moves. So I agree with you there. Yeah. So, again, we have we have not seen anything about Odell Beckham except that he wants out in Cleveland uh, or it seems that he wants out of Cleveland. It, that has not been it, he has not said that publicly um, to the news outlet yet. Um, so so far, it looks like the Giants are definitely winning the trade that they got. Um, they have a great safety upcoming from Jabril Peppers from Michigan. So you know, to me, I think it's actually good for the Giants. Um, the thing I don't like about Odell Beckham, since we're on the trades, um, when he when the Giants played the Packers about three years ago in the in the playoffs, the day before he took his whole receiving core to Miami on a yacht and then flew them back. To me, like. What are you doing? This is not how you lead young players going into a playoff game. And he had two huge drops in the playoff game as well that led the Giants to losing against the Packers that year. So It was me,
1: all the extra suntan lotion that he still had on his hands. Yeah, um, it's, it's,
0: they, it's, they bled right through the gloves. I mean,
1: it's irresponsible. It's unexplainable. You just do not do it.
0: So Exactly. So, to me, I'm more excited. I would rather have Golden Tate leading my team. Golden Tate is a great, great receiver. We heard Carson Wentz say it last year when they were together. Um, he was great with the Lions. Matthew Stafford loved them as well. So, I, I think the replacement with Golden Tate is great for the Giants. I think Daniel Jones is an up-and-coming quarterback. This team is going to, I think, blow up in a couple years once they fix the offensive line and get more playmakers on defense. But oh, for Odell Beckham, do you think teams are looking at him now? and seeing him more as an Antonio Brown kind of antic more as a distraction rather than what you see with Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, um, DeAndre Hawkins. These are guys that lead the receiving court. They come in week in, week out. They want to win and, you know, they take their money quietly rather than Odell Beckham. I mean, he wore a watch the first game this year. That was $300,000 that he, you know, that got fined for the next day. I mean, he does things to me that, If you want to win, you just don't do. We we didn't see guys like Randy Moss. And, you know, Julio Jones, to me, the first, second best receiver in the NFL, he doesn't do things like that. He goes out, he performs week in, week out. Doesn't matter who's guarding him, he's there. So, to me, is Odell Beckham exposed now? to these
1: antics? It's definitely the difference between a showman and a leader. Um, Odell Beckham is definitely on the same wavelength as, as Antonio Brown. However, Antonio Brown's kind of on the dark side of the moon right now. Um, But it's something that's going to tarnish OBJ's career down the road. When he is smack dab in the middle of his prime, he's probably as healthy as can be. And he's just being a drama queen time and time again. And we've seen it and it's, Something that a lot of teams do have to keep in mind and probably question about. And I think that if he does one out of Cleveland, that in itself, aside from his amazing skill set, really hurts his trade value. And yeah. just when teams really look in depth with all of that, and especially dating back to the situation where he went to uh, you know, Miami with the receiving core, it's it, seriously, it's it's just not called for. It's bad showmanship. And you, you got to stop and you got to grow up, OBJ.
0: Yeah. And to me, OBJ um, seems more like he's getting more and more each year, more like a Terrell Owens, just not as great as T.O. was. Because T.O., to me, one of the greatest receivers to ever even touch the ball. But his antics hurt him for being that first ballot Hall of Famer. So, Odell Beckham, I think it's time for you to change because right now the Giants won the trade. Um But a lot of blockbuster trades yesterday, Um, Jalen Ramsey, Marcus Peters, uh, Rams acquiring an offensive lineman that we do have question marks about. Uh, We got into trade talks of who won trades from last year with the Odell Beckham trade, um, who also is looking to – seems to be looking for a trade this year, which to me um, doesn't really hurt the Browns as much because I think Jarvis Landry is a great, great receiver, and I love his respect that he has for Baker Mayfield. So to me it's not it's a it's a loss, but it's not as big as a loss that I think people would see. I agree. So so now, um, after all the trade talk, let's move into MLB. The Nationals brought the brooms with them last night from home because they were in Washington. Set the birds flying home back to St. Louis. Um, the Nationals went in seven to four. Patrick Corbin had 12 strikeouts yesterday. Um, what 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 can you say about this series? The Cardinals, they definitely weren't in it at all to me. Uh, what 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 do you have to say about this, Ryan?
1: It it was a I wouldn't even call it a disappointing series as much as a disappointment from the Cardinals. And what I saw from the Washington Nationals is that they actually are here to play. They are contenders. And it starts with their bullpen. Their bullpen was playing out of their mind in this series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Their bats were on fire. Um, I don't think it's a question of whether or not, you know, if the team would be better or worse with Bryce Harper there. I think Bryce Harper even makes his team better with his ability uh, to hit the ball and playing out in right field. Um, But it definitely has been super reliant and reluctant as to what their pitching has been doing. Um, and then I just in terms of the Astros potentially going into the series who probably have the best pitching lineup in baseball, uh, they are 16-0, and the Astros, uh, in Garrett Cole's last 16 starts. So this is what the Nationals need to be doing if they actually want to compete, especially in their first World Series.
0: And, and yes, I definitely see it there. I definitely agree with Bryce Harper. I think he electrifies the team a little bit more he was definitely right in his offseason interview after he was acquired by the Phillies at DC would win a world series this year. (laughs) They're almost there now, but, um, but again, I agree with you. Um, it's going to be, and I love that the nationals have time off. Um, the game is delayed tonight for the Yankees and Astros It is moved tomorrow for inclement weather. So that game four will be Thursday night at eight Oh eight Eastern time. Um, So, therefore, I think the Nationals having time off is an even better thing for this team because they, they can refocus, repump the brakes, ice up the arms, and be ready for, to me, the Astros that will outlast the New York Yankees. Um, Astros winning last night 4-1. to one. Um, Garrett Cole, seven-inning shutout, and that seven-inning was the, was the game. I mean, you had three runs scored by the Astros, started by Jose Altuve, um outlasting that team 4 to 1 Yankees only scoring one one run on call so that is is this Astros team is this for real for them is this is this a make it or break it year that if you beat the Yankees is it a failed season if you don't beat the Nationals in the World Series
1: I don't think it's a failed situation for the Astros being if I'm not mistaken it was 2 years ago where they actually won the World Series yep um, against,
0: yep, against it- the Dodgers
1: we, we we've just seen, and we have been proven, and they've proven to us that the Astros are just contenders year in and year out. Right now, their roster is absolutely electric on all aspects: their pitching staff, the relievers, uh, their defenders, their hitters—they're just covering all basics, and that's you could not ask for more. It is the perfect situation for the Houston Astros. Um, this is it is heartbreaking as it is to lose in the big dance um it it would not be demeaning by any means for the Astros if they were to lose to the Nationals um I still think the Astros are going to overcome the Nationals but I think it's probably going to be a little bit closer of a series than we're thinking um and I think if the Astros were to make it to the series it's probably going to be some of the most dynamic back and forth pitching duels we've seen in the big dance in a long time
0: yep and I definitely agree um because uh, the, the last time we actually saw a great pitching matchup was when the Astros beat the Dodgers in game seven. You, we had Kershaw, Verlander, um, Jensen, the great L.A. closer there. And then, we, of course, we had Garrett Cole. So you saw great pitching. I think this one could be even better, especially the matchup, if if hopefully the Astros end up winning. We get to see Cole against Strasburg. To me, this is the game of the year to watch with those two Phenomenal future Hall of Famer pitchers there. Um, again, that Game Four is moved uh, is moved to tomorrow. Uh, Houston leads two to one, eight hundred eight Eastern Time. We have Zach Graneke against Mas- Masahiro Tanaka tomorrow. Uh, those are the starting pitchers. Um, who do you have winning this Game Four tomorrow?
1: I think Granke and the Astros are going to continue this role. Um, I think they were kind of shook by the Yankees in game one. Obviously, it's kind of a blowout. Um, But they held it together in game two. They figured out the formula of the New York Yankees, went into the Bronx, and actually took down the New York Yankees. Um, So don't be surprised if we see it again. Uh, I'm going to take the Astros in this game. Um, I don't foresee the Yankees actually winning another game. I think the Astros are going to – end it with a gentleman's sweep by giving the Yankees the first game and they're going to win these next two to make it to the series.
0: And I agree with you. I think they're going to win it right there in the Bronx tomorrow. I think it's another close game though. I think it's three to two. I think the Yankees try to bounce back at home, even it up two to two before going back to Houston. Um, I don't see it working though. The hitting that the Astros have, I think it's just going to outlast the pitching of the New York Yankees. Um, Especially with Chapman closing. I think in the last couple of years, we've seen teams being able to hit off of him. Uh, So I do have the Astros winning. I think it's going to be three to two again. Um, I just don't think the Yankees will have a walk off in the bottom of the ninth. And then Houston going home ends it at home. And we start seeing the World Series matchup next week. Uh before we before we move on from MLB, Joe Madden was hired today by the Los Angeles Angels, of course that team with Mike Trout, the one of the best best um MLB players in the MLB right now. To me, he is the best and to me it's kind of like LeBron James syndrome where no one else is close. Um I think if you compare him, Mike Trout to Bryce Harper and Manny uh Machado with their payments, I think to me, Mike Trout is the only one that's earned it. But so Joe Madden, he becomes the head coach for the Angels. They're in a packed division with the um Astros and the Athletics, both teams making the playoffs this year. Is this can this Angels team stir things up if they get this pitching core with the great Joe Madden as their manager?
1: It most definitely can, because we've seen Joe Madden take the Rays to the World Series. They wound up losing to the Phillies that year. Um, we've also seen Joe Madden break the curse in Chicago and win a world series with the Cubs. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you take a coach like Joe Madden and you put him up with, as you're saying, who is arguably the best player in baseball at the moment, it it's just in serious, like cause for trouble for the rest of the teams in the American league. Um, I actually foresee the angels getting a lot better this off season Don't be afraid or don't be, you know, just be prepared for moves to be made by the Angels that are just going to absolutely propel this team in the right
0: direction. And I think they're going to be serious title contenders next season. I do too, especially if Mike Trout becomes healthy off the injury he faced this year. Um, Going into the Joe Madden hire, they don't have a manager yet. They're still taking interviews. But how important is it for this team to get the right manager with the youth, with the youth that this team has, with Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, um, Anthony Rizzo, and um, J- Jason Hayward, and even our own Pensacola-made Addison Russell into that team, um, how important is it to get these young guys on track with the division and you know winning the World Series three years ago? Is it how important is it for them to find the right manager to lead this team?
1: It's huge, especially on the aspect of a coach like Joe Madden doesn't just leave for a reason. Um, And I don't know if it has to, you know, do with, you know, what the front office was thinking or if it's what Joe Madden was thinking, if I'm not mistaken, I think his contract was up and wound up going to uh, the angels. But if you do not make the right and necessary move for your head skip, then this team is going to see a serious decline because they don't have a set leader except for maybe Jason Hayward on that team. Even though they have the talent in every single aspect, you need someone to actually lead this group and almost like tone them to become great players down the road so that way you can make that second push to win another World Series in Chicago.
0: Yeah. And I just want to just want to correct you real quick, Ryan. Joe Madden he was fired by the Chicago Cubs. He, he his contract was not up. He was actually let go from that team. So knowing that the great coach he is, I mean, I, I think it's the most important thing because I don't think you're going to find better coaches than Joe Madden to lead this Cubs team to you know to a potential another World Series when that's where they should be with with players like Javier Baez. And Alex Rizzo, you know, these bona fide all stars that they have. So that's why I just think it's even more important for this team to find the right manager to lead this team to where they should actually be missing the playoffs this year.
1: Absolutely. And thank you for correcting me. So I didn't uh, babble on like an idiot.
0: <laughs> no, no, totally fine. Um, so again, a lot of exciting things in baseball. Uh, we have offseason, you know, free agency coming up. A lot of teams needing a bullpen, such as the angels, the Dodgers fixing up their bullpen. Does Kershaw? Is Kershaw staying with this team? Is it time to give up on them? Mm-hmm. Is it time to get a new ace in L.A. for the Dodgers? Mm-hmm. The Braves needing a bullpen, um, trying to make it to the World Series next year. Um, we'll see with the, out, with the aspects of the Cardinals, with their season being up, how they portray into the new season next year. So, again, a lot of exciting things happen in the MLB. Time to move in to the NBA. A lot of drama, of course with a man who loves the drama right there in L.A., the biggest soap opera star that they have, LeBron James. Um, What can you tell me about his comments um, related to China?
1: I didn't personally like them at all. Um, Essentially, he was defending China and telling the NBA to just shut their mouths. Um, I think what Daryl Morey had came out to, you know, actually protect the protests in Hong Kong, I think that was totally acceptable, and I agree with him. Um, I really don't want to make this really political. It's not what this show is about. Um, but I think LeBron James has caught a lot of fire, and especially in a situation, too, with players like Enes Kanter from Turkey. He actually has an international arrest warrant if he were to go overseas, all because of what he had said about the Turkish president. Um, mm-hmm. His family cannot find jobs. His father was in prison all because of what Ennis Kanter said. And it, it's a real similar situation. Um, if LeBron James had been from that, you know, that side of the world, um, I guarantee it would. he would be in the same exact boat as Ennis Cantor. But LeBron James, we've seen it time and time again. Um, I question his leadership, not his uh, skill set. Uh, he is all about that pocketbook. He wants to make his paychecks and after his stint with the Lakers, don't be surprised if he takes a large lump sum, upwards of a hundred million dollars, to actually go play in China.
0: Yep. And and I and I agree. I, I agree with you. I think LeBron with his comments, it makes him seem like a sellout because he could potentially potentially lose up to a billion dollars from his Nike endorsements and things happening in China. So to me, um the way I have been a LeBron fan since I was a little kid. Um, my family being from Ohio, LeBron was kind of put onto me by, by my dad. So I love LeBron. The fact that this guy, you know, this guy didn't have a dad. And, you know, walking into the best Nike contract ever um, since NJ. And then, you know, getting all this money, he doesn't make, you know, he's never in the news for crime or for cheating on his wife or, you know, being a bad dad. Yeah, n- not even a speeding ticket. So I'm a huge LeBron fan. I actually look at him like if, whenever the Olympics are next in the U.S., I see LeBron James actually bringing the torch to light the Olympics. I think it'll be him or the um, or I think it'll be Megan Rapinoe um, with the great women's movement that she's made for the U.S. soccer team. Um, but to me, this is your chance to make a Muhammad Ali-like statement. Uh, Muhammad Ali would never do what you're doing he, because he, he, he stands up for people that can't stand up for themselves. So to me, that's why I like Daryl Morey's take on it, and I wish I would have seen it from, you know, the hero that I've watched growing up. You know, money is money. I think you, I think you have enough. <laughs> um, I don't think losing money is, you know, I don't think you're in that place anymore. I think it's time for you to now – stand up for other people, especially people all around the world that look up to the best player in the NBA. I mean, you're more than just an athlete. So I think at this potential moment, it's time for you to step up and show that you're more than just an athlete.
1: Absolutely. And I agree with that. At this point, he's practically an American idol. Um, They just about everybody in this country knows of that name, LeBron James, especially in a sports sense. Um, So this is something that, uh, as I said, he's just catching a lot of fire for, as he should. Uh, It was Mm -hmm. not a smart move for him. And when he talks about how what Daryl Morey said can hurt financially, I think uh, there was an aspect there that he's missing that's going to hurt himself financially as well.
0: Yep. And and one thing I think that I I don't even think – I think the NBA should – when we saw the Rockets um, press conference the other day, when questions were shut down by James Harden and Russell Westbrook relations to China, I agree that they should be shut down. This is not a place that these players can take stands. I understand that, but they're not, you know, th- this isn't a political game. These these guys go out and they play basketball. So the fact that these questions were shut down at the press conference by a CNN reporter, I, I completely agree with it. I think it should be shut down because these to me, these players don't have a place to take a take on it publicly because if they say the wrong thing, it's gonna hurt the NBA even more with relation to what's going on in China.
1: Yep, absolutely. It it's just not not a, they just need to focus on basketball and basketball only.
0: Yep, and I and I agree, especially with this jam-packed season that we are going to have in the NBA this year. Next month um next Tuesday, we will be recapping the uh, Monday night game between the Patriots and the Jets, while we also make our picks for next Tuesday um, with the start of the NBA, October 22nd. I hope you're ready to talk some more basketball that day, Ryan, because I have never been ready for an NBA season to start. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, going into the NBA and what we've seen for preseason, um, I want to talk about the 76ers real quick. Last night we saw, we saw their rookie Norvell Powell had a, an amazing – Block party down in the post. I got this bench out of hand. Um Do you think it was more important for this team to keep J.J. Redick or Jimmy Butler? Because look at the rim protectors this team has now. They have the rookie Norvel Pell, who the 76ers are looking highly on now, with Joel Embiid if he stays healthy, and Al Horford. And then you have a perimeter defender and post defender in Tobias Harris. I mean – How important was it to keep Jimmy Butler or J.J. Reddick for the Sixers team?
1: I think it was smart letting Jimmy Butler go. Um, J.J. Reddick, on the other hand, it's an aspect that the team definitely needs – However, what I have seen in the preseason so far is that Ben Simmons is actually coming into his own and becoming a perimeter-esque shooter. He's actually hitting his mid-range three-point jumpers. Um, It's actually insane the amount that his game has propelled. Uh, No matter what the critics say about him and his shooting, he's still an all-star Um, And I think with him adding that element to his game, Tobias Harris can shoot threes. Um, We have players uh, that are actually going to be coming off of the bench that can actually shoot threes as well. Um, But it's going to be more so a thing of how well the Twin Towers are going to play of Joel Embiid and Al Horford. And I think having that defensive aspect, taking that extra pressure off Joel Embiid, allowing Ben Simmons to actually be the floor general that he needs to be, the Magic Johnson-type player he is, this team is just going to propel forward. They're going to play yeah. a lot of bully ball this year, and it's going to be phenomenal.
0: And it's going to – I think it just shows how hard it's going to be to play in Philadelphia with the electrifying crowd, Allen Iverson, Kevin Hartson the courtside every single game. Um, I think it's going to be great. For this young team, Al Horford, he's definitely a leader and he's in a position now that he wasn't in the Celtics to actually lead or just lead these young players to where their potential takes them. Um, speaking on rookies, we saw Carson Edwards last night on a scoring spree in Cleveland against the Cavaliers, hitting eight threes in the third quarter. Um, they have the addition of Taco Fall. Um, how underrated are, are people looking down on the Celtics since what happened last year in the playoffs? I mean, this is a team that has Gordon Hayward, Kimball Walker, um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, um, Marcus Smart. I mean, the, a, and Anthony Bynes, who is also one of the best. One of the best. Um, download defenders in the game. Um, how wh- are we looking down on their potential to actually even go to the finals with this team?
1: I don't think they're a finals team right now. Um, their team has just only gotten younger at this point, um, especially with letting Al Horford go. But I may catch heat for this, but if he gets the looks and the minutes – Look at Carson Edwards as a potential Rookie of the Year candidate. We saw it all summer league. We're seeing it all preseason. This kid can ball. Um, It's ridiculous the actual skill set that he has. Um, so he, just every single aspect of his game is pretty much covered. And I think he's just kind of looking to polish it off in this league. He's a very explosive, uh, in terms of like a Derek Rose-esque when he first came into the league, he's a sharp shooter. Um, he hit eight threes in a row, if I'm not mistaken last night, um, against the Cavaliers, which is ridiculous and all of them are in the third quarter. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's something where he's going to need to get the minutes. If he's going to necessarily, uh, make that next push and i can actually foresee him overtaking jalen brown um and i agree with the move of sending taco fall to the g league because as big as a you know player and a force that he can be he needs to get his actual athleticism and his work ethic up
0: if he wants to propel himself in the nba yep and especially to me the celtics big i think that's a secret weapon because if you get taco fall if you get him going down to the G League, I think G League MVP for him. And, and you call him up for the playoffs for the Celtics. I mean, who knows what this team can be like in April and May of next year. But, I mean, he can definitely be a turnaround guy for the Celtics if they – how high they are in the playoffs to compete against the Sixers and the Nets and, you know, teams like that of that nature in the NBA next year. So, I think it's an amazing move by the great – I think the best GM in the NBA with Danny Ainge. Um, Brad Stevens, I think, is the best coach for this position other than Greg Popovich teaching these young guys basketball even more to an excellent level. Um, de- definitely agree with you about the Celtics. Maybe not finals this year, but is definitely in their future. Hopefully this team just doesn't have the problems they had last year.
1: Yeah, you can only hope that they don't. Um but it's going to be more so of a fact of they just need to build up that extra teammate chemistry now with losing the Al Horford, losing the Kyrie Irving, but gaining the Kemba Walker definitely, I think, helps propel and makes this offense a little bit more explosive.
0: And, and adding Ennis Cantor, Ennis Cantor to replace out Horford.
1: And I love Ennis Cantor. I loved him since he entered the league. Uh, he played phenomenal when he was behind Stephen Adams. Those two are a great one-two punch. Um, I think he has everything that it takes to be that uh, number five spot in Boston.
0: Yep. Uh, speaking of Rookie of the Year, you said something about Carson Edwards. Um, a guy I'm looking, I have my eye on this year um, for Rookie of the Year, um, the great player he is down in Miami. Tyler Harrow. I mean, what this kid is balling out down there in Miami. I mean, what what are your expectations for him in the season?
1: I want to see how well of a tandem he's going to be with Jimmy Butler, because Jimmy Butler is a type where he kind of has to have the ball in his hands. However, he doesn't have a problem with kind of sitting back for a play or two and kind of playing the rebound role. Um, I think Tyler Harrow is actually going to increase Jimmy Butler's skill set. The loss of Hassan Whiteside is huge, but Someone like Tyler Harrow, as you said, he's playing out of his mind, potential Rookie of the Year candidate, reminds me his skill set of Luka Doncic's uh, just a little bit. Um, I can really see this Heat team being a 6-7 or an 8-seed this year going into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I definitely, definitely agree with you on that. Um, moving into more of trade talk already happening in the NBA, we have the Warriors and trade talks with the Detroit Pistons for D'Angelo Russell, a trade for Andre Drummond. Is, are the Warriors giving up on D'Angelo Russell, who has proved that he can lead a team to the playoffs last year in the Nets, even though he couldn't outlast the great 76ers team? who was a potential NBA finals, um, If you know, if that that shot by Kawhi Leonard didn't go in. Are they giving up on this young kid too early? Because they think... don't get Klay Thompson back later in the year, but they do need win protection. Is is this something they should do?
1: I actually do think it's something they should do. I would actually really like to see a tandem of Reggie Jackson, D'Angelo Russell, and Blake Griffin. That would be their own little big three over in Detroit. Um yep. But I would love to see an acquisition of the Warriors obtaining Andre Drummond. It's something that they actually need, especially with Boogie Cousins leaving. Um, and they just, with Clay Thompson, he's actually looked really good. Um, I think he's actually ahead of schedule recovering from that ACL tear, especially as late in the season as it happened. Um, I, I, By any means, we've seen season long that Steph Curry has what it takes to lead this team. Um, and I think that's realistically what they need is a big defender like Andre Drummond, who's practically Mr. Double-Double at this point, kind of like how a Kevin Love was a couple of years ago, 20 points, 20 rebounds a game. We've seen this time and time again from Andre Drummond. This would only help Warriors in this case.
0: And, and, I, and I, I do see that happening. Um, the, uh, the, um, I think the post-protection of the Warriors increases dramatically with, you know, the great defender, um, defensive player of the year multiple times, Draymond Green down there with Andre Drummond. And don't forget about Kevin Looney too. Yep. Yeah. And Looney, Looney down there as well. Um, Steph Curry can definitely, I think Steph Curry is one of the best leaders in the NBA. Um, I think he's good at taking the spotlight, but, you know, showing his teammates off more. Um, We saw it last year with Klay Thompson's, Huge game against um, (laughs) against the Rockets last year. Um, putting the spotlight more on Clay Thompson than him. So to me, I just I feel bad for D'Angelo Russell. This is a guy that's you know proven himself that he can be a guy in the NBA. I mean, great perimeter shooter. Um, he can shoot shots you know off the pick and roll, and just he can actually be a leader of the team. I think he does great in Detroit. Uh, especially with Reggie Jackson and even Derrick Rose down there now too. I just – I had no trust in Blake Griffin. I mean, this is a guy that just – when it's it, it's time to win a game or it's time for it in the playoffs, he's down with an injury or he flat out just doesn't show up. So – I mean, it it is a good move, but I think it benefits the Warriors a lot more than it benefits the Pistons.
1: I agree. Uh, We've kind of seen even with Blake Griffin's stint with the Clippers, it took Chris Paul to really help propel his career. So I think the addition of D'Angelo Russell kind of helps that case. Even though D'Angelo Russell is not a uh, Chris Paul, D'Angelo Russell is still turning into his own superstar. Um, So watch out for the Pistons in the East if this trade actually happens.
0: Yep, and I, and I agree with you. Um, last topic for the NBA, um, I think Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis are going to be scary this year. Um, watching their preseason game the other night, you see a double team come out to Luka behind the back pass to Porzingis um, out on the perimeter, drains it down. How you know how scary can this Mavericks team be?
1: This Mavericks team is going to remind me a lot of the Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki days. It really is. Um, I think they're going to have the poise to be a top six seed going into the playoffs, even in their first year together. And that's just based off the types of players that they have, um, as well as just their general skill sets. We have the reigning rookie of the year in Luka Doncic. I was super high of him coming out of Spain when he did last year. Um, I thought he was going to be a phenomenal player and he wound up being that player. We all know what Chris Tops Porzingis has. He can do it on both ends of the floor, shoot the three. He can get up in your face, slam it at the rim, even though he did get rejected by Nerland's Noel. We're not talking about that, though. Um, This team is going to be scary, and I think what it's going to show is that it may not so much be the big three anymore because we see it as a common trend now. It is a tandem duo
0: surrounded by role players. Yeah, and and I definitely, but the, the thing is with the the role play the role players they have, I mean they're just it's just a scary team. You have you have Luca twenty years old, is twenty four years old, Justin Jackson twenty four years old, and then you add the great uh, Boban Marjanovic to the team as well. I mean this team is built. For the future, I mean, they when LeBron James, find, you know, hangs up his boots and then you have, you know, you I think you're still going to have the Warriors with, you know, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green not slowing down. But to me, this team in three to five years is running the Western Conference. I, I could
1: definitely see it being the Mavericks, um, but I'm going to take the Nuggets in the next five years running the Western Conference.
0: All right, exactly. And it's definitely going to be between those two teams. Another young team between Jamal Murray, um, the Joker himself, Jokic, uh, Will Barton on that team, uh, just, you know, just great talent for these young teams up and coming. But the scary thing is the Nuggets are a lot more of a threat than the Mavericks are now. Um, the, losing a the game seven last year to the Portland Trail Blazers to punch their ticket to the Western Conference. Um, I, I actually think this team is the third best team in the West behind the Battle of L.A.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I can definitely see them making a statement for top two this year because I really feel as if what had them lose that game seven last year was strictly based off of experience. Um, yep. they, they Last year, and I think going into this year as well, the youngest average overall team in the NBA being the Denver Nuggets, they made it as far as they did, but it took a you know a veteran, Damian Lillard, to actually beat them. Um, yeah. So you give this team experience, which they have now, playing a full season into the postseason with each other last year. The addition of Michael Porter Jr., they get bowl-bowl. This team is going to be a threat this year. Watch out, Western Conference.
0: Yep, and again, uh, I'm just so excited for the NBA this year. I think we have great talent all around. One of the best rookie classes we've ever seen. Um, last thing, I got a couple more things just to ask you, Ryan, before we get into our favorite segment of the show. Um, is Carmelo Anthony going to play for an NBA team this year?
1: I, I really don't see it. He even came out and said himself today that the Rockets pretty much tarnished his career. Um and it, it's just more so dating back to whenever they signed him last year and they just kind of made a fool of him. Uh, I think it's going to take a lot for him to actually make it to an NBA roster. But what I would like for him to do is join the Denver Nuggets again and play one more season and see if he can win a championship with this young group and retire in Denver and be that second veteran presence next to Paul Millsap.
0: Yep, and, and I, I definitely agree. I would love, love to see that. Carmelo Anthony, to me, he's not a starter anymore in the NBA, but this is a guy that can come off the bench, give you 15 points. I still think he is one of the greatest shooters that we've ever seen in the NBA, especially with someone that can make their own shot. So to me, if to see Carmelo Anthony on a team this year, it's going to come down to injuries. I think uh, if a team gets injured and they're looking for a shooter, he's going to be that guy. I think he's the next up, so I would love to see nothing more than Carmelo Anthony have the greatest respect for him. Um, I just think he needs to accept his new role and that he is a role player coming off the bench.
1: And keep in note, I still have my original Carmelo Anthony Denver Nuggets jersey, number 15. It did not come with a set of cornrows, but I wish it did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn! That is one great Halloween costume. You should definitely put on this year just to remind <laughs> people. Um, <laughs> that is friggin' fantastic. Um, all right, Ryan. So, um, no, uh, great info we have it right now at the NBA. I don't want to cut it out just yet. Um, does LeBron James and Steph Curry do either of them have an MVP season left in either of them? <sighs>
1: I don't know if I see it from Steph Curry, but the addition of Anthony Davis definitely increases the case for LeBron James. If he can stay healthy off of that huge groin injury that he had last year, Um, just that in itself, like LeBron is in the perfect position to be MVP this season. Um, But like I said, he just needs to stay healthy, but we've seen it in the preseason. He's the floor general. Anthony Davis is okay with it, and the presence of having Anthony Davis, who is a great two-way player, is the LeBron I'm, I'm taking as my MVP this year.
0: And I agree with you. I'm definitely taking LeBron James as my MVP this year too. Um, I think the best thing about LeBron James this year is you have no excuses. I mean, you can't get away with things you got away with in Cleveland because you didn't have anyone – you can't get away with things the year before because of the great warriors team and the four headed all-stars that they have. Um, to me, you have no excuses and missing the finals. i missing the playoffs last year. I think we have a hungry LeBron. I think LeBron is actually going to destroy and destroy the league this year. Um, with the addition of Anthony Davis, I actually see Carmelo Anthony maybe joining this team late just in the playoffs for coming off the bench, depending on how Avery, um, uh, every Bradley does but this team with Danny Green I mean you can spread the floor you have it down low you have no excuses this year LeBron and I actually see Anthony Davis competing for the MVP as well Uh, but going with Steph Curry um, I I don't want to say no because I think Steph Curry is going to have to have an MVP like season for the Warriors to be a even I think a four to five seed in the NBA so I think Steph Curry steps up hugely this year. We saw his defensive game against the Lakers the other night, um, blocking Caldwell Pope, not once, but twice, and getting the bucket down on the floor um, in transition. So I see high expectations from Steph Curry as well. I think he's shown already that he can lead this team, um, you know, back-to-back MVP that he is. Uh, I'm excited to see what I can see from Steph Curry this year. I just hope those ankles are healthy and he's ready for a long season because I think it's going to be a long season for the Warriors, unlike they've had in the last four to five years. So I'm excited for both of them, but I'm going to give the edge to LeBron. Um, Definitely think he has an MVP-like season and one of the best seasons he's ever had in his NBA career. Um, Moving on, can – Going back to the Eastern Conference, can Kyrie Irving lead this team to the playoffs? Or I mean, not leading to the playoffs, can Kyrie Irving lead this team to the NBA Finals?
1: I, I really don't know if he can actually take them to the NBA Finals just with the type of player that Kyrie Irving is. Yes, phenomenal player. Um, we've seen his skills time and time again on display arguably one of the best point guards in the league. Um, definitely in this latter half of his career, he's seeming to be more injury prone. And I, I say latter half lightly because he's only 24, 25 years old. Um, and it, it's something where he's going to need to grow into that leadership role, especially with this young team that the Brooklyn Nets still have. They still have uh, Jared Allen uh, at center. Um, When Kevin Durant comes back, I think that's just going to help the case of this team. Um, However, I kind of see KD taking a backseat from this Achilles injury, kind
0: of like it did with Kobe Bryant. Yep. So do you see Kevin Durant um, logging off when he comes back from his injury? I don't I wouldn't
1: necessarily say logging off. He's just kind of powering down in a sense. Um, He's going into rest mode, per se, um, Then he's necessarily just shutting down. Uh, it's something to where he's more so going to be at half strength this season. Um, I, I would almost, especially with when the injury happened, I would almost just sit this entire season out. If I was Kevin Durant and actually be ready for the next year, because you and Kyrie Irving both signed multi-year deals with this team. Mm -hmm. So for the future of this team, I think KD sits out this year. You see what works with uh, Kyrie Irving. Um, it, really, I see the Nets being between a six, seven, or eight seed
0: this year. Um, I, and I agree with you on the six, seven, eighth seed. Um, I do see Kevin Durant definitely taking a backseat from this injury. This is the toughest injury I think in sports for football and basketball players. But um, do you see it, if Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant don't win a championship in the Nets over their multi-year deal? Um, does this hurt their legacy?
1: I think it does kind of tarnish the legacy just a little bit um, more so in the fact of bouncing from team to team and just not finding, you know, that success that we'd thought these types of players would have had. Um, Kevin Durant, probably one of the most consistent players in NBA history before this Achilles injury top two with LeBron James in the league in terms of, you know, which player is the greatest. Uh, Kyrie Irving again arguably one of the greatest point guards in the NBA um, but his leadership is definitely in question he's kind of been in LeBron's shadow his entire career um, and it took LeBron coming back to Cleveland for them to actually get a championship um,
0: and even make the playoffs
1: exactly and even make the playoffs Um, and then we we saw in Boston too that he just did not have the means to get the job done and he was set up for that leadership role in Boston. It was what he wanted, and he could not perform. So this is something that him and Durant are going to have to kind of learn from what they've done in the past. And I think even though Durant's kind of getting towards the back half of his career, they're going to need to take that as a stepping stone and grow this young Brooklyn Nets team.
0: Yeah, and to me, um, I think it's more in question – you see Kevin Durant on Twitter talking back to fans. Brooklyn's a new team in the New York. Um, you know, the Knicks aren't going to bring anyone out. Um, is Kevin. Uh, to me, to, to Kevin Durant, you're not even playing this year. So I don't understand why you're on Twitter. Um, you should be focusing more on your injury. But my biggest question for these two is you, you are going to have to lead this team to a championship team. You're exactly right. Kyrie Irving, you had everything you wanted. I mean, you were handed on a golden platter what you had in Boston you had an all-star in Gordon Hayward coming to actually the peak of his career before his injury Um, you had two amazing rookies in Jason Tatum Jalen Brown you had a great backup in scary Terry Rozier to where you can actually take games off rest your body get ready for the playoffs you had a great leader in Al Horford I mean you had no question marks on the scene even the head coach you had arguably the best head coach since Greg Popovich so, to me, you're on, you're on a new team. What I need to see from you is I need to see that you can be a leader. I need to see you can lead young guys, not be a me guy, not this is your fault, you know, that kind of guy. I need to see that you can lead an actual NBA team. Because if not, to me, this tarnishes your legacy, that you are a backseat to LeBron. And since LeBron, you haven't been anything else except for one of the best handlers we've ever seen in the NBA. And to me, it goes the same with, with Kevin Durant. Um, Kevin Durant, to me, is the shadiest person in the NBA. I mean, he, he says he's not going to leave Oklahoma City, goes to a meeting with Golden State Warriors, leaves Oklahoma City, doesn't even give what you called your little brother, Russell Westbrook, a call. Um, you know, you get three pan, uh, th- three rings? Two rings.
1: Yep, two rings.
0: Two rings from the Golden State Warriors, two pancake rings that you didn't have to work for. Yeah, you were the Finals MVP. Curry arguably should have been the one for your second ring. But uh, but I mean it's the same thing. You couldn't lead Oklahoma City when you're up uh, three to one against the against the Warriors team that you left to go join. Um, you definitely weren't a leader on the Warriors team. That was Steph Curry's job. I think he was the most important player on that Warriors team. But uh again, you joined a team that didn't even need you. So that you know, your legacy is in the hands of what you do with the Nets coming off this injury. I think it is definitely failed, failed on your part if you don't bring a ring. To Brooklyn and back up your comments that the Nets are the new team so to me both your legacies are in the hands of yourself and if you don't it's either make it or break it and to me I don't think they're going to make it I don't think this team is going to win an NBA championship
1: I, I totally agree I really don't foresee Brooklyn actually winning an NBA championship I just see them kind of being playoff flukes every single season Yep. uh one thing, little quippet that I did want to throw in here is I felt bad for Kevin Durant actually getting moved to Oklahoma City. That was not his decision. The Seattle Supersonics, I believe, should still be a basketball team. So that relationship between him and OKC, I think, was tarnished when he got moved out of Seattle to begin with.
0: Yep. And, and you know, that that is correct. And I cannot wait to see I think a team in Seattle Supersonics is coming. I think they'll actually get a team back. Um, I think some teams will relocate. Um, to me, um, you know, I, it, I see it, but then at the end of the day, it's just like, I mean, you're you're up three to one. I mean, this that could have actually been your year to, you know, beat LeBron yourself and to see how much of a player you are and then to add not only losing three to one, But being a sore loser and joining the best NBA team of all time, I think just shows who Kevin Durant really is. Yep, absolutely. Um, So I think that's enough NBA talk for today. Definitely catch that show on Tuesday, pre-NBA talk with me and my boy Ryan right here. Time for the best part of the show. It's time for the step-up segment. Ryan, I want to get your thoughts. Who is our step-up for this show?
1: So the step-up champion is going to be LeBron James. You need to leave the politics to the politicians and step up and be a leader for this Los Angeles Lakers team. And I, I really don't think I could stress that enough. Again, leave the politics to the politicians. Lead this Lakers team. Be an MVP this year win the NBA championship with Anthony Davis and try to end your NBA career with a bang.
0: Yep. And and I, I definitely, definitely agree with you, LeBron. It's time for you to step up, leave the politics out. If you're not going to be the role model people want to see, just be the role model for this young LA team. Um, Great point there, Ryan. I definitely agree with you. Um, Catch us on our next show here at step up. We'll have college football talk. With the Michigan-Penn State preview, we will be seeing Saturday night, as well as talking about our game of the week in the Dallas Cowboys hosting, the Philadelphia Eagles, and more MLB talk. Will the Astros finish off these New York Yankees and head to the World Series facing the Nationals? So definitely have a lot to look forward to. Um, Great show today, Ryan. Always a pleasure doing business with you.
1: As always, Holden. And for real, as always, to everyone listening out there, to wherever this may reach, Have a great listen. Hope you have a great rest of your day, a great week, and we will see you next time on Step Up.
0: Yep. Have a good one, y'all.